Hello everyone, welcome back to the Canny Life podcast. This is the podcast that reveals all the tricks and tips that a common couple uses to help reaching wealth still in this life and on an illicit way. I'm your host, Flavia Vigeroel, and in today's episode, I'll be talking about the step-by-step to organize your dreams and give the best use to your hard-earned money. So stay with us. Let me start today with a few very important questions. Do you know what is important for you? And do you know what truly makes you happy? And do you have a list of what you want to achieve? Before you think this is too philosophical and turn this podcast off, give me a chance to explain the correlation between money and happiness. There are several pieces of research demonstrating that having more money does not necessarily bring us more happiness, that they are not directly correlated. Easy to say, isn't it? Especially when said by someone that actually have all bills paid. But the reality to most of us is that this statement does not make any sense when the bills are coming, when the debts are accumulating, when we work day to day on something we don't like and we don't want just to pay for bills. For these cases, my dears, I completely agree with what you're probably thinking now. More money would definitely help us going from a stressed situation to a more enjoyable one. No doubt about that, and I'm not here to convince you about the opposite. In a short story that happened to me recently, um, I, w- I applied for an internal position, and they judged that I couldn't get it because I would get bored of it very quickly, although it would pay me more. And then my response to them say it was like, boring or not bored, at least I would be able to afford a few extra days in the beach during summer to treat my boredom. Anyways, in general lines, we all agree that a bit more money, we could be experiencing some more things which would improve our overall state of happiness, even when we're not in the ideal situation. All that said, there is also a true element on the limit of money that would make us happy. We all have a series of needs that are related to money, such as house, energy, food, clothes. But after these basic needs are fulfilled and we move up in the hierarchy of needs, Social needs, esteem needs and self-fulfillment needs start to be part of the equation and here is where the money illusion can put us in danger. By not knowing what truly makes us happy, by not knowing what are our esteem needs or social needs, for example, we would certainly be in a position of easy prey to be hunted by the marketing sales tricks. How many times have you seen an advert of clothes or shoes, for example, and bought it to give a boost of new image? or even the times you went for an afternoon shopping therapy when feeling low. I have personally done it in various occasions. I have done when plans didn't work the way I expected, when I was questioning what to do with my career, after splitting a relationship, and believe, even to fulfill the gap after successfully delivering a massive project. All these occasions have in common the fact that I wanted to turn the page. And like me, you do, your friends do, we all do. In my case, the difference is that now I'm aware of these mental triggers and learned to stop myself before, and I hope I'll be able to help you as well. And how am I doing it? I will tell you later on how am I doing it now, but first let me go back a few steps on the process. Going back to my initial questions, it is important to reflect and assess what truly makes you happy and why do you make the choices you do. One good exercise is to look at the last three non-essential items you spent money on and think why you have bought them. 
and by non-essential, including anything that's not bills and basic food. As boring as that. It doesn't matter if you spent two pounds or twenty pounds or two hundred pounds or two thousand pounds. Just look at the last three non-essential items. The first answer will certainly be because I need it or because I liked it. But dig deeper. Question yourself what did you like about it or why you think you need it. Sometimes we think we need something just because we always buy it. Let's say for example a lipstick. You always use the same one and yours finished. So the natural thing is I need to buy another one because this one finished. I need it. But what if you perhaps delay this by a week or two? Maybe experiment not wearing one for a couple of days or even try different ones you already have in your makeup bag and that might end up in the bin because they got too old. Can you not start filtering some of the needs and wants by spending some more time to look at what you already have? I know, I know it can be tiring and boring thinking about every single item that we buy, especially with these buying one-click mechanisms on Amazon and others. But by consciously deciding is the simplest way of having money for what you really want. And by the way, try turning the buying one-click off and see how many things you don't buy because of the effort of grabbing your card. Here at home, we all did it, and it's amazing to see how the credit card came down in the following month. After you have done your self-assessment and expenses, I would like you to list at least three dreams. First, the biggest dream of your life. Second, something you really want to achieve in a few years. And the third one, something you would like to achieve within one year time. You can add other ones later on, but for the practicalities of the examples here, I'm working with day three. Let's say the biggest dream you have now is to stop working and leave out of your savings. Do you know how much money do you need to have in your bank account for it to happen? Do you know how much you need per month for your expenses? What is the lifestyle you would like to have? Or any lifestyle will be good as long as you don't have to work. What are your compromises on that? Now let's say your second one is to have enough money for a house deposit. Or enough money so you can pay off your house or enough money for a big trip around the world. It doesn't matter. The questions will be the same. And they come again. How much money do you need to achieve it? What are the things you need to do today to make it happen? And what are the things you can do now to make it happen earlier? Do you have all the elements listed? In case of a trip, for example, do you know where you want to go, for how long, which type of accommodation, and how much it will cost per night? Would you like to go out for meals or cook yourself? Do you need an insurance, equipment? Can it be during holidays or do you need to quit work for doing it? Do you need special clothes, luggage? If we're talking for a house, for example, do you know all the fees associated to buying the house, to, to the deposit of the house? Do you know how much it costs the solicitors and searches and tax and anything else? And finally, the third one. Let's say it is to buy a new TV. Just to give an example, do you know how much the TV would cost you? Which model do you want? The size? The brand? Do you know if the stores will be willing to give any discount if you pay one installment? Most importantly, how much are you saving every month to pay for it? Simple as that, after answering these questions, you will have a plan. Let's review it. You have defined three dreams and you gave them one. A time for when it wanted to happen. Two, an associated budget or 
how much money it will cost you for you to achieve each of them and every little single associated cost. And three, an assessment of what you need to do today to achieve it. The fourth step is to put this plan in practice. So after you calculated how much money you need for them and in how long you want them, you can now determine how much money you need to put aside every month. And no, I don't want to hear the, but put aside what money if I don't have any left in the end of the month. I would risk saying that if you don't have any money today to put aside for buying it, you certainly don't have room in your budget to add another installment. If your plan is to pay for any of those using finance, for example. And if you ever think about recurring to financing mechanisms to buy stuff, I just want to let you know that this is one of the most common biases when talking about personal financing planning. We tend to make positive assessments about our future and have great judgments about our capacity of handling finances. But going back to the plan, you now have the capacity to compare your spending habits against something that you really want. And how does that work? By knowing, for example, that for your TV you will need to save £75 every month and checking that the last month you spent £15 on another tea, £12 on another lipstick, £30 on each ni night out, you can simply say that by going out one time less and by not buying another tea or lipstick, you almost have what you need for your TV. This breakdown will help you evaluate if it's worth spending or not the money and, we'll think, and you will think twice if you prefer the TV or another shirt. But this process is not definite, which means there are cases when your priorities change or when something you're saving for is actually not that important for you. In the TV case, you might realize that you don't watch that much to justify the effort and you might relist that in your priorities. So the main point here is that it's nothing right or wrong with whatever thing you want to buy, have or experience. It doesn't matter if it's for status, for childhood memories, for cultural habits. We all have our needs and dreams and that's why it's so important to understand what will bring us happiness and what other things we do in the automatic mode because we saw and thought it would be good. Or because we didn't even thought it would be good, we just did it. If for you it's important to have a pink convertible limo picking you up on your birthday night out because you always dreamt of doing it since kid, fantastic, you can plan and do it. What you can't, because it wouldn't be fair on yourself, is to do it at the expense of your dreams. In the beginning, the way I, f I found it helped me the most to keep the focus was to stick a list on my fridge door. Some people have on their wallets, some on their mirrors. It needs to be somewhere visible so you can remind yourself of the biggest goal to stop you from these impulsive reactions. And how do I do it now? I'll give you the example of our recent wedding planning. We listed everything we want on it and how much it would cost and our absolutely maximum budget for each of the items. And for reference, we also prioritized what it was absolutely essential and the things that would be good to have. This listing and quoting step proved to be essential for it to be in our budget. Suppliers that were well above our budget, we didn't even talk, so we were not putting ourselves in hard situations. With the suppliers that were about our range but slightly over, we always asked for discount to fit within our budget and got it. We made quite clear that we could not go above. Usually people in these competitive industries, they know and they can sense when they can push or charge more 
or need to give some discount to have the business. So we always demonstrated enough interest to engage them, but standing firm. And this was an exercise for both Mike and I. Also, whenever we managed to get something cheaper than budget, we automatically counted as another bottle we could offer to our guests. By setting the boundaries from the beginning, you don't fall in the trap of thinking that you would be able to afford and later on finding yourself in the middle of a hard situation. You simply know if you will or not. There were things we compromised and there were other ones we included at later stage when we confirmed we weren't the plan. Ultimately, having this close look on it made us be in a much, much more comfortable situation and taking better consumption so choices. So we had the wine we wanted or the photography the style we wanted and we didn't spend beyond our possibilities. Our final reflection for today is that it does not matter how much you make, but how you organize the flow of your money to the different needs you have and if you use your money or waste it. How many times have you heard about people earning 40, 50, 60,000 or more a year and still in debt? How many times have you heard of someone earning their low 20s or even minimum wage and organizing a fantastic trip to Australia or paying for a house deposit? As I said earlier, you can do anything and it is important to say once more that there is no judgment on what is superfluous or unnecessary. Waste of money is to spend in things you don't truly really want. Identifying recognizing what really makes a difference to your life is a process. The earlier you start this process, the quicker you will understand what is important and consume less in quantity and better in quality. And quality here, I mean by things that are meaningful to your life. So start thinking about what you want to achieve and what bigger things you want, maybe want to buy or what amazing plans you want to see it as a reality. Finally, remember that relationship with money would not change because we have more money. If we spend more than we should today, we will spend even more when gaining more. If we don't enjoy life and just save it for no reason, we'll be even tighter and stingy the more money we get. Any habit we have today will only be exacerbated when we get more money. I hope you have enjoyed today's episode. And if you have not subscribed to our podcast for Pocket Lessons of Personal Finance, just do it so you don't lose on our contents. And if you enjoyed, please share with your friends and family. If you have any questions, comments, suggestions, you can contact us directly. Our details are in the description. We are happy to hear your feedback as this is the best way to know if we're bringing value to your life. Thank you for listening and see you soon. Bye.